I'm calling today's word fighting against God. And we're into Acts chapter 5 because we got partway through that last time. And we saw in the preceding verses of Acts chapter 5 how there was such an outpouring of grace and faith through the power of the Holy Spirit working in the church. Healings and signs and wonders and the goodwill of the people in going without so that they could care for one another's needs. We also saw how in the example of the judgment upon Ananias and Sapphira, that there was also great accountability to the Holy Spirit for all that grace and power. And just speaking of one of the last verses that we read, crowds were streaming in from the Jerusalem suburbs, bringing their sick folk and those oppressed by evil spirits, and every one of them was healed. It was a mighty time in that book of Acts, in those works of God. And all of this finally caused an angry reaction from the Jewish religious leaders. So reading on now in Acts chapter 5, verse 17. The high priest and the entire Sadducee group became very indignant. They took hold of the apostles and locked them up in jail. However... The angel of the Lord opened up the prison doors and set them free and told them to go and stand in the temple and proclaim to all the people this new way of life. It's not just a bit of news of what Jesus has done. It is a way of life that he's doing in us now, present tense, to be lived. What a message. So upon hearing that, they went into the temple the first thing in the morning and began to teach. At the same time, the high priest and all his supporters convened the council and the senate of Israel and decided to send for the prisoners to be brought to them from the prison. But the prison officers went to the prison and found that they were no longer there. So they went back to the council and senate. They told them that the prison was shut securely, the soldiers were on guard outside the prison doors, but that when they opened the doors, they found that there was nobody there. When the high priests and all the other religious officials heard about this, they began to wonder where all this was heading. Then someone came and told them all that the men they'd put into prison were back in the temple again, preaching to the people. <laughs> The high priest and his other Sadducee officials rejected any belief in the resurrection or angels or other supernatural signs from God. Their religious beliefs were focused on the strict interpretation of the written Torah. But now they were stumped because there were supernatural things happening all around them and they were getting anxious. But this was actually an act of mercy and grace for them also, because God was giving these religious leaders a chance to witness God's power and to accept the truth of the gospel. So it doesn't matter what kind of hostility a person has to the gospel. When God brings light into a situation, his mercy is there upon them. 
and is long-suffering, waiting for them to change their minds. And the grace will be there. He got Paul in the end, didn't he? Who was hostile, like these people. So what happened, it brought the high priest and the leaders face to face with reality, not just their idea of reality. And in doing that, it brought them face to face with an accountability to truth. Not to mention the hostility of the multitudes who were hearing the word of God and being persuaded of the power and glory of God. It works against hostility. So, reading on in verse 26, the captains and officers of the temple, they went and discreetly removed the apostles from the place, treating them gently because they were afraid that they might end up getting stoned by the people. They set the apostles before the council and the high priest, and he began to question them. He reminded them that they had been forbidden to teach anything in that name, charging them that they had filled Jerusalem with their doctrine and were even planning to bring the blood guilt of Jesus upon them. Imagine being accused of filling the whole city with your doctrine. You wouldn't mind going to court for that. Somewhere, though, this business of the blood guilt of Jesus being brought on them worried them. Somewhere in their strangely superstitious yet unbelieving minds, they were anxious that a curse of blood guilt would be cast upon them. Religious superstition and legalism is a curse in itself. But there are so many people that are religiously superstitious and bound by some kind of code that is the only way they can somehow even say the word blessing and never receive it. Because what the word curse is means no blessing, it means without blessing. Because it cuts off the flow of spiritual blessing because it's legalism. But they had an opportunity. That's in Galatians 1 verse 9 where Paul speaks about the curse of the law. Reading on, Peter and the other apostles reiterated when they were charged like this. We have to obey God rather than men. The God of our ancestors resurrected Jesus, whom you put to death upon a cross. God has given him the most exalted of all positions as the prince and saviour of Israel to give them a new heart and a new mind and total cancellation of all their sins. We are witnesses of all of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has bestowed upon all that become subject to his authority. That's good preaching. When the religious leaders of Israel heard that, they were infuriated and they determined to put them to death. Then Gamaliel, one of the Pharisees of the council, not a Sadducee. Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection and supernatural. But Gamaliel, one of the Pharisees, who was a teacher and interpreter of the law and held in high esteem among the people, commanded that the apostles be detained outside of the meeting for the time being. So Gamaliel was a Pharisee, and unlike the Sadducees, he did believe in a resurrection. 
He was also the tutor of Paul when he was a Pharisee. <laughs> and we read that further on in Acts. Paul mentions that he sat at the feet of Gamaliel in, in Acts chapter 22. Gamaliel then addressed the meeting and said, Be careful, you leaders of Israel. Be careful about what you do with these men. Because it was not so long ago that Theudas gave himself some kind of self-appointed significance, gathered a following of some 400 men. He ended up being killed and all his followers were scattered and it all came to nothing. Then another self-appointed ruler called Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the taxing and he also had quite a crowd following him. He died too and his followers were scattered. So what I'm telling you all is this, that you should leave these men alone because if what they have been saying and what they have been doing is just the work of men, it will come to nothing. What a wise man. But if it is of God, you are powerless to stop it and you will find yourself fighting against God himself. That's what I'm calling this word today. We read on. They listened to what Gamaliel had to say and they agreed. So they called the apostles back and had them beaten and commanded them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And then they let them go. So what did the apostles do? They left the council, went on their way, rejoicing to be counted worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus. And they continued to teach and preach about Jesus Christ every day in the synagogue and in the temple and the houses round about the region. They had plenty of places to teach. Peter's words earlier in the chapter were, we ought to obey God rather than men. And they were appointed to preach the gospel and they had to obey God even if it meant breaking a civil law. The gospel that they preached was powerful and it was confirmed by God in an undeniably supernatural way. It was therefore a threat to the religious and civil power base of the day. That was the threat, power. It was more than just speech that was unpopular or offensive to the rights or the special interests of other people in the community. It was power. Not just talk, but word, spirit word. They were quite happy to suffer the consequences of disobeying the law of man in order to obey God. It was up to God to either set them free by sending an angel or to let them stay there for however long he wanted them to be there. They knew they were doing God's work wherever they were. It's the here and now. It's not one day when I've got a big following or I've got a platform and I've got more votes than anybody else, I'll be able to say something. It is wherever we are. Paul spent a long time doing time in jail for God, knowing that God had ordained it. But if God had wanted him to escape confinement, God would have organised it. As we see in Acts chapter 9, 
when Paul first started preaching in Damascus after he was converted and he was confined inside the city. His friends lowered him down a wall in a basket to escape being killed by those hostile to his preaching. God works all of these things out his way. It's his gospel and it's his power. It's good to know it what it says and what it doesn't say. <laughs> Paul spoke about this principle of obeying God first, even if you go to jail for it, when he wrote to the Roman church. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Romans chapter 13. Peter wrote the same sort of thing very strongly in 1 Peter 2. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. A person can obey God first and also be subject to the governing authorities even when that person disobeys a civil law as long as they accept the legal consequences of it in the civil courts. It might sound tough. This is the book of Acts. We're talking about the book of Acts in remembrance, not just as history, but let's keep it in remembrance of today. Accepting those consequences is then putting it into God's hands, not our own hands. There are Christians preaching the gospel today in countries where it is illegal to do so. You know them. Some of you are in touch with them. They can't lobby the government about freedom of speech to preach because they don't get to vote. In a Western democracy, Christians today lobby the government for legalising freedom of speech to further the work of the gospel, the way that they feel sincere about. That's fine. And they can get very irate if they're denied this freedom. As Christians, people can vote as citizens in a democracy with the hope that their sincere requests for freedom of speech for their cause will be granted. And if it is, they rejoice. But there's no guarantee from God. Faith is not about wishful thinking or political power. I'm saying that again. Faith is not about wishful thinking or political power. There was never any politically sanctioned freedom of speech in the book of Acts. But if you really have a gospel, and if you have a gospel of power, not just a political opinion about your religious rights or your self-importance as an institution, it doesn't matter what the government of the day is. Nobody can stop the power of the gospel from going forth and accomplishing what God intends for it to achieve. Now, this might bring about distressing opposition and personal suffering, but being counted worthy to share in the sufferings of Christ in this way releases great power from heaven. And it brings about God's outcomes for his glory. When people fight against God, God wins. Amen.